This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Paul told Titus that an elder, pastor, shepherd, overseer, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as was taught, so that he may be able to give an instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict that sound doctrine. You can find that in Titus 1, verse 9. person who's able to teach. You know, 1 Timothy 3, 2, right in the middle of this list, 8 of 15, uh, when we compare that pastor, elder, shepherd, elder qualification with those of the deacons in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, able to teach, it stands out as a distinguishing, um, I guess, a distinguishing mark from from the from the former from from the latter. In a sense, this qualification for that pastoral office, along with not a new convert, which we've talked about, it also sets the elders apart from what the New Testament expects of all the Christians. Now, every Christian should pursue and grow into maturity, and in, in which which will include you know teaching other peoples. Um, in some form or another, Hebrews five twelve through fourteen. Whether it's parents to children, Ephesians six four, whether it's older women to younger women, Titus two three through four, or all Christians, you know, one to another as we teach and admonish one another, including in our songs and in our worship, Colossians three sixteen. The New Testament nowhere expects skill um, in teaching of all Christians, but this this all, all this apt to teach or able to teach every church um elder shepherd should be above reproach he's a one woman man uh he's a good household manager he's not a drunk he's not drunk with with alcohol he's not drunk with greed uh he's not uh, without provenness through a season of testing um uh, the, the the respective list for for elders in First Timothy three one through seven and deacons eight through thirteen read so similarly in, in their substance, but for this one able to teach. A lot of our religious friends call every preacher a pastor. Well, not every not every preacher is a pastor, but every pastor should be a preacher. Okay, it is teaching after all, given the nature of the New Testament church and the nature of God's dealing with his people going back to the garden that's at the heart of that pastoral office. What Christian pastors offer more fundamentally is not their not their cosmopolitan, okay, <laughs> and interdisciplinary brilliance, uh, not not their ability to entertain masses or or, or their executive faculties, okay? They are stewards and publicists of God's very words. God has given his church um, shepherds, Ephesians 4.11, uh, teachers, preachers, Ephesians 4.11, as those with the ability to receive and understand, to integrate, to index, to access, illustrate, winsomely defend, and effectively communicate his words to his people and through them to the world. The New Testament does not vest elders with authority apart from their function as teachers of God's Word. But but pastoral influence, and indeed their formal authority, rightly understood, their, their influence is bound to the very source of authority in the church. Christ himself expressed in the words of his first century apostles, 
and Old Testament prophets, stewarded and taught by those elders uh, to the whole church. So as we've seen, Christ is, is the lone head of his church, and he has the unique glory of ruling singularly, and he has the first and final say in his church. And he has appointed apostles to speak authoritatively on his behalf in the church's first generation. The church's enduring objective source of authority today under Christ is the apostles' written word, which is why teaching that word is so centrally important in the Christian church. Faithful elders in faithful churches are instruments of Christ's life-giving authority to the degree that the pastors faithfully teach the word of the apostles and the prophets, which is the very word and words of God. Okay, Let's talk about the centrality of teaching and this, this app to teach. Okay, Elders are not businessmen. Elders are shepherds, and they feed. They point men, literally. So inevitably, our churches lose their way over time. If we lose touch with the central importance of teaching for God's people— from the very beginning, and particularly in the New Testament. In the Bible, learning is far more like getting our next meal than getting a degree. Teaching from God through his spokesman is daily bread we receive to stay alive, not a course of study that we endure for a while and then we graduate. So for the Christian, sitting under able teaching is not a season of life, but it's a lifestyle. So we could begin with God's instruction to Adam in the garden and rehearse God's teaching Abraham and, and Jacob, and teaching his people, you know, um, through Moses. Torah means instruction. It means it means teaching. So through Joshua and righteous judges and Samuel, and, and you know, even through the Psalms and Proverbs and poets and sages, and and through old covenant prophets and one another, one after the other. Uh, even as the the nation plugged its ears and down downward spiraled in decline. So then, when God Himself came and dwelt among us. In the person of Christ, he taught, and oh boy, did he teach. You know, Jesus never self-identified as a healer, but he did embrace the title of teacher. His healings and his miracles were signs and, and that served and proved his teaching. That They pointed to his words of instructions, his parables, sermons, Sermon on the Mount, his, his Olivet Discourse. I mean, Jesus is the single greatest teacher the world has ever known. Then the great teacher died and rose for his disciples, which means his learners, which implies teaching. And he left his apostles to lead his church through teaching. The Gospels teach, Acts teaches, the Epistles teach, the everything the, the great revelation teaches. Teaching serves uh, a far more central role in the life and health of the church than many today are prone to think. And, and and I'll leave the full biblical theology of teaching from Genesis to Revelation to elsewhere, but but here for our for our purposes in approaching the the importance and meaning of of this man's qualification, and he's able to teach. Consider consider seven observations uh, that's just from the pastoral epistles as they're called and coined by man. So first first and second Timothy and Titus, the T epistles. Number one, God's reputation relates to what the church teaches. What more could be at stake? The very honor and name of God himself in the world that he made. And in our particular towns and in our cities, here for me in Marietta, North Atlanta, that that's it's crucial. It's at stake in what we teach here at Piedmont Road. The name of God and the teaching go hand in hand together. 1 Timothy 6, 1. 
uh, either in being revered or reviled. Let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. This alone could be enough to awaken us to importance of Christian teaching, but but there's more. So number one, the reason that it's so crucial for an elder to be apt to teach, a shepherd to be apt to teach, able to teach, and that he's teachable by God, number one is because God's reputation relates to what is taught at this congregation and yours. Number two, it's a, it was essential for the apostles to be teachers. So the nature of the Christian faith with ongoing teaching at its heart, means that it was essential for the apostles to be teachers, not just decision makers, not ruling or governing apart from teaching. There were no administrators among the apostles who did not become spokesmen, who did not become teachers, and on behalf of the risen Christ, they were his 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 mouthpiece. There was no teaching apostles and ruling apostles bifurcation, okay? There was no preaching pastors, and there was no such-and-such uh, such pastors and such-and-such such pastors. Interesting enough, Paul, Paul twice mentions that he is not just an apostle, but also a teacher, 1 Timothy 2.7, 2 Timothy 1.11. So critical and not marginal was the practice of teaching in the early church that Paul himself, as an apostle, would, would not feel it benefit him to note his calling as a teacher. So number two it was essential for the apostles. Number three, the church's mission requires teaching. Christian disciple-making, the lead charge in this Great Commission, Matthew 28, it requires teaching. Disciple-making is essentially holistic teaching. Again, the word disciple means learner, and to be discipled is to be taught, to follow another's teaching, 2 Timothy 3.10. Not just in theory, but in life. And also, it's it's vital to the to the, the disciple making process. It's not just simply training up new Christians, but raising up faithful men who will be able to what does it say? Teach others also. Second Timothy two two. Christ's commission makes it very explicit. Jake Sutton, make disciples and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. God means that. Number four, God means for His word to be taught. Okay, The Word of God, spoken through Old Covenant prophets, New Covenant apostles, is not simply to be, to be heard, but it is to be taught. If you look at your Bible, it's not just something simply to hear, but something to teach. You're going to read it and study it, study it completely different. Okay, It's not simply meant to be heard, but to be taught. It is profitable, or maybe useful, for something, you would think. <laughs> God means for us to do something with his word. And first and foremost, that that is teaching. All scripture is profitable for teaching, 2 Timothy 3.16. So Paul charges church leaders like Timothy to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and, and teaching, 2 Timothy 4.2. Teaching, as we have seen, goes hand in hand with Christ's authority in and through the church. So to teach and to exercise authority, 1 Timothy 2.12, are not two separate activities, but a unified hold, whole uh, centered in the plurality of pastor elders. Number five, error spreads through false teachers. God needs his, his shepherds, his under-shepherds in 
the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, to be men who are able to teach because error comes from people who aren't able to, who, who, who aren't willing to, let me say that, who aren't willing to teach something true. Error in the church spreads through teaching. 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Titus 1 and verse 11. What do false teachers do? They teach. The fact that those who spread error are called false teachers alerts us to the importance of teaching for good or for bad in the church, which leads to the next observation. Elders address error through teaching. So the battle lines between truth and error are drawn between true and false teachers and their teaching. Not any other proficiency or skill. Faithful leaders um, propagate, you know, quote, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching which accords with godliness. With, while those who infect the church with error, they, quote, teach a different doctrine, 1 Timothy 6, 3. So when the time comes that wandering souls no longer, quote, endure sound doctrine, and they accumulate for themselves. Literally, they heap them up. They, they pile them up for themselves. Teachers to suit their own passions, Second Timothy 4, 3. The question for all of us is not whether we will have teachers, but who will they be and, and whether they will lead us toward the real Jesus or subtly and in a very stealthy way lead us and teach us away from him. These elders have to be teachers. They have to be because of, because of false teachers. And number seven, the final one, pastor shepherd elders in the church are teachers. Leaders in the local church devote themselves to teaching, 1 Timothy 4.13. False teaching must be answered with faithful teaching. And genuine faith in God's people remains genuine through, you guessed it, ongoing faithful teaching. And this faithful teaching must be compelling and appropriately clear and forceful, and it must prove fruitful for the church to endure and to flourish. Teaching is not optional in the church. <laughs> it's essential, not as a course of study to complete, but as daily bread. So Paul instructs Timothy to teach these things in 1 Timothy 4.11, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 2, and to keep a close watch not only on uh, them, them as elders, and himself, obviously, but also to the teaching, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Titus must teach what accords with sound doctrine. Elders must teach what, what accords with sound doctrine. And he says, in, in your teaching, uh, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, Titus 2, 7 through 8. Leaders in the local church are not expected to be savvy decision makers or experienced businessmen, but those who labor in preaching and teaching, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Hebrews 3, 13, 7 is a powerful and often overlooked statement on church leaders as teachers and teachers as church leaders. It says, remember your leaders and those who spoke the word of God, um, consider the outcome of their, their way of life and imitate their faith. When we remember our leaders, and the Hebrews assumes when we remember them as teachers, those who spoke to you the word of God, Christ appoints teachers to be pastor elders. And not only teach, but also lead the church. However idealistic 
and inefficient we might fear that teachers as a group might be, Christ appoints them both to teach and to lead rather than appoint uh, uh, to, than to be uh, appointing efficient administrators and executives who themselves do not teach. So as we think about these men and these seven things that, that must be said of these men and why it must be said of these men, you need to ask yourself, do we have that where we are at my local congregation? Do we have that? Are we there? Are, do we have these, these men who are workers for our joy? Uh, are they humble people uh, from the last episode? Are they men who are able to teach? Why or why not? And how can we get there? Hopefully you can take these points and, and, and give it to, to your elders, your shepherds, and, and, and encourage them that this is what we need from you. We don't, we don't need you to be there to appoint somebody else to do it. We need you to do it from, from the front, that we need to hear from you as, as shepherds of this congregation. And we want, to be, we want to be led by you. And so there's more to it than just sitting behind a door and assigning and cutting checks. And I, I know that you know that, but but may God help us in giving us these men who are able to teach, and may we as preachers and those who serve as ministers and and those who serve as deacons help us to encourage these men to to be able to, if they if they aren't, if they've been appointed. Um, maybe we need to reevaluate and ask some questions. Okay, is it actually beneficial for you to be here? If you're not able to teach a person the gospel of Jesus Christ, if all you can do is point them to, to Mark sixteen fifteen sixteen, are you able to teach anybody anything? Well, if they're not, then we need to ask some serious questions uh, for the health and sake of our of our local congregation. See, God is worth more than one person's and one elder. Okay, His church is worth more than that uh, than a person's pride. Well, if we if we take them out of the eldership, their pride's going to hurt, and they're probably going to leave the church and. And it's just going to be sad, and it's just going to be bad. Well, the other alternative is is that they're going to allow false teaching to come in and split the church up because of their ignorance. And I don't use the term ignorant in a derogatory way, but because they're not able to teach and and they're not able to have conversations with people, they're not they're not able to um, to listen to something that is unsound, call it unsound, and in love say, "Listen, we love you, but we don't we 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 don't see eye to eye, and here is why." If you don't have that, you need that. And uh, my prayer is for you. And uh, in fact, why don't we why don't we close this episode with a prayer, Father? You know what every church needs. Uh, you know everyone who's listening and what what they're going through. And um, we we know that you have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and and you have given us this word. Um to encourage and to build up. Help us, for those who preach, to raise these men up. Help us to say these things not to a sleight of hand. Help us not to poke fun. Help us not to undermine by any means. Help us to show reverence and respect for what we do have and that um, that you love us in giving us direction and guidance and shepherds that we do have. But, Father, help us to raise up men who are able to teach other people. Uh, and save and bring more people to Jesus. And um, we pray that uh, you'll help us do that, and we pray that we'll be the men for that. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.